This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. You know, I have a responsibility, and I understand. Like, let's be real. Let's be honest. I mean, the clock is ticking. You know, time is short, but that's okay. Like, we live in a high-pressure, we work in a high-pressure environment. The expectations are high, and it's about performance. And if I don't do my job well enough, you know, in the end, and quite frankly, you probably think that I haven't done my job well enough at this point, and that's more than fair. At some point, you know, decisions will have to be made, and the only thing I can do is make a commitment to our building, to our ownership group, to our team, to our organization, that we're going to do everything we can to try to come up with a better result. The focal point yesterday at the press conference out at NRG Stadium yesterday afternoon was Nick Casario, the job he's done, his job security, um, and for for some asking the questions in the room, look, you've the, the last two coaching hires have been fired after one year. What should give the fans confidence in you hiring this next coach? That was the overriding theme. I think the four words that summed up, I think Nick summed it up right there. The clock is ticking. And I think this feels like this feels like the first time, Seth, since Nick was hired back in 2021, where the pressure, whatever pressure is generated in this organization and who is the pressure on to win, to improve, to get to the next step, it's always a it's always multiple people, but there's somebody that it's squarely on. And I don't know that it's been squarely on Nick these first two years. It is squarely on Nick in year three. He's the guy. It, right. Um and I think that if if you look back and think about the mindset of an owner and a general manager, I'm not trying to take those two guys out of the equation. I'm just trying to think of it like a generic situation where you come in and you know you're going to have to turn some things around and it's going to be ugly at first. You're still going to you're going to have some wins and losses in executing that strategy. I wonder how the turnaround has gone and where they thought they would be in year two of the process. Um, where I'm guessing they knew real, they knew for sure year one was going to be tough, but maybe year two they thought that a perhaps they would have gotten more out of the rookies that they drafted this year, the first rounders especially. Yeah. Because I think the the guy, the non first rounders I thought showed a lot of promise. Um, you know, I think Christian Harris and Jalen Petrie and Damian Pierce especially really showed a lot of promise, and hopefully John Mechie is A-OK next year. So there's that, and then I just wonder, I wonder exactly what they expected out of Davis Mills going into this season. Exactly like if he would take a step forward, how were they optimistic or pessimistic about him? Because um, that's the big, the, the big thing that would have changed a lot about the perception right now is if 
you had won six games and Davis Mills had played well in those games. Yeah. That's a, that I think a lot of people, even if you fire Lovey Smith, then people are going to feel a lot differently about everything. Well, it's interesting you bring that up with Davis Mills. Cause I think it's a good question about where they should be at the end of two years with Casario as the GM, because I think, I think that they were just so bad at certain parts yeah. of being a football team this year. And, and worse than they were last year, which was really kind of year one or maybe even year zero of the of the rebuild, that it was really hard to ignore. I think that may be where, where Lovey Smith in some ways hastened his own departure through perception because he's the much more front-facing member of the management team than Nick was. Nick does the you know does his periodic interviews with us. He does the occasional press conference. Lovey's out there three times a week. And during training camp, he's out there every day. And yeah. Lovey Smith went over the top, out of his way to make Davis Mills the guy, to make Davis Mills the starting quarterback, the leader of this team, the captain of this team. One of the first press conferences at training camp, Lovey Smith said he would get my vote for captain right now. This is a guy who's a third round pick who started 11 games a year before and he won two of them. So, and, and by the way, does not, you know, if just inject my own opinion, does not really have the personality when I think of a guy who's a captain, at least not that type of personality in year yeah. two. Maybe if you had a 10-year body of work, you can be as subdued as Davis Mills is and point at your record at that point. He had nothing to point to. The guy's very, very vanilla. And so I think in some ways, Lovey Smith gassing up the whole Davis Mills thing, I think kind of accentuated and made you feel even more acutely just how bad this offense is. You know, maybe if you'd set a realistic view of what Davis Mills is going into the year, then this whole Pep Hamilton offense might not – I mean, it, it, look, statistically it was still horrible, and guys probably still get fired. But I think there were people that by, like, week two of the regular season were like, okay, why were you – why what were you selling to us during training camp here with Davis yeah, Mills? Yeah, you know? yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That There's – it's like spending a huge amount of money on promoting a movie that you – don't feel all that great about, yes. you know, it's yes. going to be, it's going to be a box office disappointment. If you spend, if you spend $50 million promoting it and you know, damn well, it's short circuit two right. or something. It's uh, you're, it's just, it's, it's, that's what it felt like. It felt like short circuit. Two. <laughs> and been trying and to put it into words. That's, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, short circuit two was bad, right? Oh yeah. It was well, it short circuit. One wasn't all that great. Was that's it? That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Caddyshack 2 would be a good one to bring up because the first Caddyshack was great. The second Caddyshack was trash. You try to replace Bill Murray with Dan Aykroyd. It's like yeah. trying to replace, uh, you know, you know, it'd be like replacing Chris Farley with like Noah Hill for something. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Is that his name? Noah Hill? Jo yeah. Jonah Hill, I think. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Jonah Hill. Yeah, Jonah Hill. Noah's, Noah's the lesser version of Jonah Hill. <laughs> so that's a, that's a really don't want. Yeah, no, yeah. you really, that's really, really bad. That's really, really bad. So that was, um, yeah, the clock is ticking. Casario was asked at what point is where the franchise, where they are right now, more than a head coach problem. I'm not going to hide or walk away from those responsibilities. And the only thing I can do is to take inventory of where we are, try to provide what I believe are the best solutions moving forward, trust the people that are in the building, trust the people that are around me, trust the team that we've assembled, and try to make the right decisions. Yeah, I mean that—that um, that, that is kind of all he can do. I—I I don't know if people were expecting answers at that press conference yesterday. Some you know? of the questions were a little bit in the variety of, 
You remember when Nick Wright? I remember when Nick Wright asked Matt Schaub why he felt he should still be the starting quarterback. Yeah, and it's a hard question to answer because it's hard to answer it without sounding like you're it, when you ask that question in a time of difficulty. It's a hard question to answer without coming off sounding like you're either a delusional or b way too obsessed with yourself because the question, you know, when the quote hits the, when the quote hits the paper yep. or the website, it doesn't, it doesn't preface it by saying when asked about, it just makes it look like you're bragging. Yes. So I think that you, it's hard to answer questions like that. Like, why do you belong in this job? And that's where I think you're, you're kind of inviting a, a cliche response about trying real hard to do the right thing and all of that. Um, because that's all you really can answer other than if you want to get up there and act like you're reading a, a, a leading a, a tent meeting somewhere and that you are the hope and the one and the guy that's going to deliver glory onto the Houston Texans and then fine. Um, but most guys aren't going to answer that way. No. And Nick was not going to take the bait on that yesterday. Cause he was asked yeah. that question in various forms a handful of times, I, I, at yeah. least three or four times in that press conference, he was asked, some form of why should you still be the GM of this team? And I thought he did a good job answering it because he acknowledged where the team is right now. And that if he doesn't do a good job, he's not going to be the GM anymore. I do think, too, there were various times that he had mentioned, you know, either research or using resources that are available to them that they haven't used so far. Um, There was the Aaron Wilson story, which, uh, which said that sources claimed that that Lovey Smith wasn't good at, you know, kind of modernizing kind of his view of football and using the research or using um, or taking advice from people. I, I think it kind of paints a picture of perhaps that if Nick Casario were answering honestly, like and openly, it's just like very openly and not holding anything back. I think he might say that, look, Lovey Smith and I were not going to be on the same page because I feel there's a way a team should be run um, that includes a lot of the modern tools we have available to us in terms of self-evaluation, analytics, and all of that. And and Lovey Smith did, was not open to that. So when you start trying to think about moving forward and what kind of an organization we want to be, they might just have been on the on different pages. Yep. You know. Yep. And um, and I think that's why the list of candidates that we're seeing now become very, very interesting to me just because of they seem to skew much, much younger than the last two head coaches. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's where the other side of it, too, becomes, okay, the follow-up question to the answer I just gave on behalf of Nick Casario would be, okay, well, then why'd you hire him in the first place? And then I think the honest question after that would be, because we ran that coaching search like ass-backwards hillbillies because of a multiple, multiple factors, including one, I mean, Deshaun Watson was still hadn't been cleared criminally yet, and we didn't know what we were going to be able to trade for him. And because of that, coaches weren't really all that interested in talking to us either. And also, by the way, um, I've had many more conversations with people about just exactly what the front office structure was like, and that was messed up too. Yep. So yeah, we were. It was a cockamamie, weird, messed up organization for a couple of years there, and we're trying to dig ourselves out from that. Here's one more from Casario. He said this in multiple times in different ways during the press conference. That if he's not the right fit, he would respect that for the Texans. Candidly and honestly, as we work through this process, and if there's candidates, they feel that you know whether or not my position that you know I'm worthwhile to be in my position. If ultimately the best thing for the organization 
conversation is for me not to be in that position, then, you know, I have to respect that and acknowledge that. And, you know, I'm certainly not above and beyond anything else. So what I've tried to do is just be consistent on a year-to-year basis, try to do what I believe is in the best interest of our team on a year-to-year basis, our organization. And eventually, like at some point, if somebody feels that that's not the direction that we need to go, I respect that and acknowledge that. And, you know, that's my responsibility. The only thing that I can do is do the best job that I can, try to make the decisions that I feel make the most sense. And that's what I'm committed to doing. That to me is if one of these head coaching candidates is a good candidate, but they want to pick their own GM and he's not the guy that he's open to whatever decision the organization makes. I have a hard time. Yeah. I have a hard time thinking that old. First of all, I have a hard time thinking that Nick Casario would recommend a candidate because there's another cut that we have where he says, well, I'm going to recommend a candidate to the McNairs and then they're going to approve that candidate or, or not approve that candidate. Um, yeah. I have a hard time thinking that, I don't know, I have a hard time thinking Cal McNair is ready to move on from Nick Casario this offseason. Yeah, I think that, I guess you and I view it a little bit differently, and you're there in person. I mean, I watched it on video. Um, I, I, I know that you feel like, you and Landry and others feel like Casario seemed like he was like more almost nervous about his job, perhaps, or at least had that, or there was more uncertainty about his job. Um, where I, I guess, is that fair to say? That yeah, that's how you yeah, yeah. It? No, I, I, I was surprised how often he brought up, "Hey, if I'm not the right guy, then, yeah. then you know, then I'll accept that decision." Yeah, I guess when I look at it and I try to put myself in his position, I think that I might try to project a certain level of humility, um, you know, a genuine humility, but to let people know that, like, look, I'm not sitting up here acting like, you know, that that I'm 400 times better than Lovey Smith or something. It's a, there's a, it's just strange dynamics. Cause the guy that was just fired was somebody you had a working relationship with. And yet here you are trying to present a, a new United front moving forward. Um, that I think that it's, it's hard to, to manage that tactfully uh, without coming off as uh, maybe like cold callous or indifferent to the guy that you just canned. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with I agree with everything you just said. I was surprised that multiple times, not just the one we heard there, but there's another cut where he does it later, where he brings up the possibility of a coaching candidate that they had right. identified. At least that's what it sounds like to me. A coaching candidate they identify might not want to work with him and he would respect that decision. I was just surprised he even brought it up because I don't think anybody was asking yeah. that question. Yeah. I, like nobody asked it. He nobody asked Nobody asked the question, okay, if you guys identify a coaching candidate that wants to bring in their own GM, how would you feel about that? He proactively brought that up multiple times. That's the old... Uh, that's humility to the nth degree. <laughs> well, that's like, that's like okay, like, uh, they, they, they try to sometimes sell this in movies that like you love somebody so much that even if they choose another, you'll be happy for them because they found happiness. Right. Which I feel like, okay, but you got to also mention that, you know, you've got secret fantasies of, you know, uh, throwing them both off a cliff at that point. Well, that's if, a uh, if that's the If that's the case, like, sure, you can be happy, but there's still also a little something. <laughs> I sure right? hope yeah. they finish 2-15 and 15 from now sure. until the end of time. I sure hope that your, uh, your tour bus on your honeymoon <laughs> uh, drives into the ocean. But other than that, I'm glad you're happy. Sometimes yes. you just have to let her go. And that's what Nick said he would do yesterday if he had to. I got to let, yeah. sometimes you just got to let her go. Some birds, their feathers are just too bright. Don't you know? hold the Texans so tight that you crush it, but not so loosely that it flies away. Precisely. It's yeah. exactly what I turned to Landry and said at the press conference yesterday <laughs> when Nick said that. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, 
It was tense, man. It was tense in that room yesterday. That was a. I, I would imagine that was a long 30 minutes for Nick Casario yesterday. Well, it was a weird... Uh, remember, we said the same thing about Bill O'Brien after Brian Gain was fired, where it seemed like Bill O'Brien almost seemed humbled somewhat. And I don't know. Like, that's... Uh, was yeah. he? Was Bill O'Brien? Boy, when I think back about Dude. Bill O'Brien, it's like two different people, pre-Brian Gain firing it. But no. if anything, he was further emboldened. Yeah, you know? Dude. But in that press conference, he seemed humbled. I said the day... I know the, the O'Brien press conference you're talking about... The money shot from that press conference was him saying multiple times, like, hey, I'm under evaluation too. You know, yeah. like he they, they yeah. he he deferred to Cal evaluating everything, firing yeah. Brian Gain, where now in retrospect we know that was within two months of Easterby coming into the building. And Bill O'Brien yeah. sitting there, I mean, he he was Southern Belling it a little bit. He's like, I'm under you know, I'm I'm under evaluation as well. I could give five yeah. I the day we ran that press conference, I think I turned to Rich and Ted. I said, I, I think he's full of crap. I don't think he's I don't think there's no chance that Bill O'Brien's getting fired anytime soon. I'm just a, I'm just a little old football coach in this great big world. And sometimes I wake up and I think first and foremost, glory be to God, because of course that's that's what's always first in my mind. But then after that I think I'm just so lucky and blessed to every day uh, be able to cast my shadow across the field over there uh, at the Methodist Training Center and walk in and say, thank you, Mr. Cal, for giving me this opportunity to coach these fine young men. And uh, But uh, whichever, whichever, whichever person Cal chooses to, to have me work alongside, I am a-okay with that. And uh, I would never, I would never, I would never go casting about uh, uh, the New England Patriots yeah. looking for a new general no, manager. No. That's one thing I can tell that you. That was a lie. Yeah, that, and that happened like two weeks later. Uh, all right. <laughs> Payne Pendergast with you on a Tuesday. Um, hey, uh, next segment. Uh, one of the predictions that I think Seth and I have made, or at least something we thought was a likelihood with Carlos Correa's situation, appears to be rising to the top of the big board. What is happening with Carlos Correa and his monster, monster contract. We have that for you next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Quick update on uh, Carlos Correa for those interested. You and I said this last week, Seth, that if the Giants bail and the Mets bail, he may have to tuck tail and go back and take the Twins $285 million, poor guy. Um, And that appears to be exactly what might be happening here. According to Dan Hayes and Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, the possibility of a stunning reunion between Correa and the Twins is increasing. Team sources said Monday night. So this is coming from the Twins side of things. Um, The status of the mega deal he agreed to with the Mets is unresolved. It's been over three weeks now since he agreed to that deal. The Twins suddenly are back in the mix for the free agent shortstop. Two club sources said Monday, talks between the Twins and Correa have begun to accelerate. A separate Major League source confirmed the development as well. So they're they're doing what good journalists do in getting confirmation from people both inside the Twins and outside the Twins. Talks are fluid. Mets are not out of the bidding. But 19 days, this is as of yesterday, have passed since the Mets reached agreement on a 12-year $350 million deal with Correa pending a physical. We know there's been concerns over the physical from both the Giants, who walked away from the deal, uh, and then now the Mets, who they, at the very least, these two sides have been in a staring contest publicly here for a while now. 10 years, 285 was Minnesota's original deal. It's not really clarified in here if the Twins would adjust their deal based on the same things the Giants and the Mets are right. seeing in this physical and Carlos's right leg. Right, and you wonder, too, I mean, how much of this is, is this a situation where if the Mets had never known about the Giants and the Giants, not even, they didn't even officially reject Carlos as far as we know. They just wanted more time to consult. If it hadn't been for that, would the Mets doctors have wanted to pause on this? You know, because all of a sudden then, once somebody throws it out there, you become the doctor that either says, oh, yeah, this is no big deal, even though this other team said that it was a big deal. And it did perhaps can change how your, your judgment is about it. Um, it's just a big old mess. And, and, and I wonder, I just wonder if the Giants all along maybe just did want an extra day or two to consult about it. And the, it, Boris and Correa just got too finicky and wanted to get into it. You know, frankly, the the Mets, I know that, look, I know the Giants um, are a more, as of late, like they've had more recent success, um, but the Mets are in New York. 
And if yeah. Correa just wants to be a star, it, there's a difference between New York and San Francisco. Um, yeah, yeah I, wonder, I wonder if he just botched this whole thing completely. That's the most interesting thing to me is two things. One, yeah, like that's, that's going to be a real buzzkill for Carlos Correa to go back to Minnesota. I know the money is going to be virtually the same. Hell, the money annually is more on the Twins deal than it is on these other deals, but clearly Correa's goal has been to get the most money over time, hence the 350 that he agreed to with San Francisco at first. Um, it's $28.5 million a year. That's actually more than the Mets and the Giants offered on an annualized basis. But you're yeah. right, Seth. Like, San Francisco, I mean, it's not New York or L.A., but that's a big market. You know, it's a Bay Area. It's a big platform. It's sort of a – the Giants are kind of a blue-blood franchise. You know, they've won World Series, multiple World Series in the last decade. Um, the yeah. Mets, the Mets, while they're not the Yankees, they are in New York, and I do think they're putting together a team that's going to be very, very good this year. To go back to Minnesota, who's probably not even the favorite in their own division, and it's not even that great a division. You're playing, yeah. you know, in New York, you're playing the Phillies, and you're playing Washington, and you're playing, you're going to, you know, you're, you're, uh, who else is in that division that I'm missing here? Philly and Washington, and um, oh, Atlanta, who went to the World Series two years ago. You go to you go to Minnesota and you're playing Cleveland. I guess you're playing the White Sox. That's Chicago, Kansas City. Um, you know who am I? I'm missing one of. Oh, Detroit. And you're in Minnesota. Like you're not in the Bay Area on the West Coast. You're not in the Big Apple on the East Coast. You're in Minnesota. Um, yeah. It's it. I think that'd be a big buzzkill for Carlos. Is he? Uh, do you think? Does he? Does he take faith? Uh, does he find solace in biblical verses when he's going undergoing such extreme hardship? Like I don't he is know. Now where he's, he may have mistakenly turned down uh, an extra hundred million or so. We need to, uh, like to get him in touch with old Cooksey, old Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I love a Bible Cooks verse. Says, I, I got to tell you honestly, like Cooks, um, Cooks' latest Bible verse, which is about you know not asking why and just allowing you know the Lord to do what He's going to do with you. It's probably maybe a little bit more aligned with most modern thinking about. Christianity as opposed to when he first got here and he told us that his favorite uh, Bible verse was Psalm 144.6, send forth lightning and scatter the enemy. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Oh, that's, is that uh, why he that's does That's why he has the, the archer. Oh, yeah, that's okay. his favorite Bible verse. It was back before. <laughs> send forth lightning and scatter the enemy. Shoot your arrows yeah. and rout them. That doesn't sound <laughs> biblical at all. Wow. Oh, it sounds totally biblical if you're paying attention to the good parts. Yeah. That's when, um, you know, in the movie A Clockwork Orange, when the young, uh, the, the main character is in prison and the priest is all proud of him because he's reading the Bible all the time. Yeah. But he's reading the Bible for like all the, the war wars. and sex parts yeah. and everything. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> he's like imagining himself as one of these great, uh, you know, sending forth lightning and scattering I his enemies. I forgot yeah. it's a complex book. <laughs> um, yeah. The other thing about Correa. That would be this. It would be more interesting to me if this were happening last year, before Jeremy Pena kind of put his stake in the ground as being the shortstop of the future for the Astros. Like if Carlos were getting these, because this is what Carlos wanted last year. He wanted these ten and twelve year offers. If teams were bailing on him like this, if he would have turned around to the Astros and said, "Fine, I'll take your five years, one sixty. I'll take $32 million yeah. a year over the next five years. I'll take now, this relative pittance. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the door's closed now. The Astros would be stupid to bring to even get involved in Correa, even on a even on a, a short-term deal with Correa. It would be stupid to get involved in it. 
I guess the other question, too, is, okay, were the Astros aware of this potential medical issue with whatever's mm. going on in his ankle? Mm. I mean, since he had had the surgery already, and presumably they would have monitored it, or maybe because he had never complained about it, it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you have those old injuries, and teams, you forget about them until a new team wants to sign you, and they're looking through your medical history, and they want to they wanna check out the hardware on all this stuff. Sometimes that's, that's how it goes. Um, Minnesota presumably did the same thing. I guess yeah. that's... Uh, Maybe they didn't. Maybe Minnesota's just a shoddily run organization. Well, or or maybe they're an organization that realizes we got to take some chances if we're going to have a player like Carlos Correa. We're Minnesota. We're not New right. York. Well, plus, and it was a three-year deal. It wasn't as big of a risk as, obviously, you know, 13 years. No, it wasn't, but they did. I mean, but they, unlike the Mets and the Giants, Minnesota's run a physical on him in the last year, you know, to sign him. Right. So pres- well, no, but my is, point they was maybe seen. they Right. No, my point was if they didn't notice that or realize the issue, maybe oh. they didn't run as good a, yeah. a physical as the other teams. Yeah, did. yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Um, all right, Payne and Pendergast with you on a um, on a Tuesday. Uh, you're getting some heat, Seth, on the text page over your, or I guess our opinion, that Short Circuit 2 was not all that great. There's there's people sticking up for Short Circuit 2 on the text page Okay, right now. let me see. I just want to, not that this is, not that this is, you know, a Brandon Cook's Bible verse of authority or anything on this, but let me check out Short Circuit 2 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, give it to me. see exactly. Let's see. It's not looking good so far from the Google result. Uh, 38% on the tomato meter. That's a green tomato. Uh, average audience score, 54%. Okay. So, so the audience, yeah. that, that's, that stands to reason that that would be a movie that the audience would like better than the... The you know the uppity critics, yeah, but sometimes they're okay. It box office grossed twenty point eight million dollars. Okay, that's not that's not good even by two thousand one standards. No, yeah, no. Um, so you all can take your short circuit two opinions and um, stick them. Um, was it? It says was it not even? Does it was it not even released in? <laughs> theaters I, I don't know this is the deepest i'd ever thought we'd go on the topic of short circuit two on the show honestly let's see an awkward manifestation of both the typically overwritten trappings of a box office mandated sequel and a seriously thoughtful rumination on free will um that's what i had written in my diary back then mm. so that's uh yeah not a very good review by seth Payne. apparently uh the nfl network was rating the head coaching openings in this cycle there's five of them right now they rated the Texans the worst of the five. Is this just the? Uh, I I really feel like the. If you're somebody, if you're a Texan fan, who gets worked up over national opinions of the Texans, I would recommend staying away from social media and national television for the next they, several weeks. They said, they said this is the worst of the, the worst. Five? The wor- according to a texter. What was was. Oh, according to the texter. According to a the texter, texter ranked that, or some they saw somebody that on the was... NFL Network. The experts on the NFL oh, okay. Network ranked it last yeah. among the openings right now. Yeah, look, the NFL Network is by far the worst of the various cable uh, uh, NFL outlets. A um, bunch of yes men and hacks, a uh, bunch of half wits and morons. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not to be trusted uh, or viewed, lest your mind turn to mush. I will say, I've been over the last couple of weeks just because I've kind of wanted to check some things out of a like do like just see how things operate elsewhere. I've been watching a lot of like first take and um, the other one with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless, undisputed, they call yeah. themselves. undisputed, undisputed. Yeah. And now I'm starting to understand and see where sometimes like somebody else, 
somebody will say something, they'll either DM me, they'll say something on a text line. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense at all. And now I'm starting to realize that they're getting it from those shows. And there's a lot of stuff that just flat out doesn't make any sense at all. Yep. It's, uh, and it's, it's, it's worse and worse when they're talking about a team that they haven't watched much at all, and that's obviously the situation with the Texans. But uh, they put very, very little thought into these opinions. They paint, pretty much just throw uh, paint at the wall and see how it looks after, after it comes out. And uh, I would say don't trust any of them right now. If anything, uh, take a sledgehammer to your television the next time you see that. There, okay, well, that's yeah. if you've got the money to replace it. I mean, it's a, Look, basically, this is what all these clowns are saying. How? Why would a coach want to go somewhere where they fired two coaches yes. in two years? The exact same way Kyle Shanahan accepted a job in San Francisco after yeah. San Francisco had done the same thing. And by the way... Why? Why would any coach go and say, if you could fire David Cully, what's to become of me? <laughs> you idiots. Do you, like, yeah. Do you think, do you honestly think, do you honestly think like Jim Harbaugh is going to walk up uh, to the interview and be like, well, hold on a second. Yeah. I didn't realize that you'd fired David Cully right. after a year. Lord Almighty, uh, if David Cully can't make it in this town, old Jimmy Harbaugh ain't got a chance. That's Sayonara. You, you nailed yeah. it earlier. That's one of those if dot, 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 you don't have the right guy anyway situation kind of things. Like if, if that guy yeah. gets cold feet because you fired David Cully and Lovey Smith, you don't have the right guy, you know? Yeah. It was like the San Francisco had hired Jim Tom Sula. It was like a patchwork affair because they were kind of scrambling. That was after they hired Jim or fired. Oh, no, no. That was before they fired Jim Harbaugh. After they fired Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh Harbaugh left. They hired Tom Sula. They fired him. They hired Chip Kelly. They fired him. And then Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know. Now, the Chip Kelly one would make me nervous. Yeah. Like, oh, God, I don't know. This guy did some actually good things at Philadelphia before he got too much personnel control yeah so yeah that's uh the san francisco 49ers the buffalo bills those two teams uh, within the past decade were roundly regarded as unsalvageable organizations that just didn't know their asses yeah. uh from their faces and they would just never be helped and right. couldn't couldn't ever get it right and yeah. i'm sure that'll be a big topic the week before they t- they meet in the super bowl this year <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> All right. I was one of them. I thought Jed York was a was, was a a blame fool. Yeah. Yep. Blame fool. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, final segment coming up. Uh, if you're somebody who's worried about the Texans not getting Bryce Young, uh, I've got a mock draft that's going to make you feel a little bit better on the way out. Before we talk to uh, John and Landry, that is next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. We'll find out what the fellas got going on on In the Loop today. Um, we're going to see a lot of mock drafts over the next several months. And I know there's still some of you out there. Hopefully the feelings are subsiding a little bit. Texans still have the number two pick in the draft. It's not the end of the world. It's a two-quarterback draft. If I had to bet right now, I bet the Texans take a quarterback with one of those two picks. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. If you are a Bryce Young fan and you feel like Bryce Young is the best quarterback and you're nervous about a team trading up with the Bears who have the number one pick for Bryce Young, or maybe you're... Maybe you're worried about the Bears trading Justin Fields and drafting Bryce Young. That was just the topic five minutes ago on uh, on first take. They were debating should the Bears trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce Young. Um, I'm going to read a, a mock draft to you here that's going to make you feel a little bit better, and I think this is a distinct possibility that something like this could go down. This is Ryan Wilson of CBSSports.com. Ben, we got the sounder queued up. Let's do the first pick first here. With the first pick in the 2023 CBSSports.com mock draft, the Chicago Bears select Jalen Carter, defensive lineman from Georgia, who's part of a defense that decimated TCU last night. And I think, Seth, you and I were talking yesterday about this, and I said the dream scenario for Texan fans, if you are indeed a fan of Bryce Young, you want to make sure you get him, hope that the Bears fall in love with a non-quarterback like Jalen Carter or Will Anderson of Alabama. Yeah, And in this mock, in Ryan Wilson's little world on CBSSports.com, that is precisely what has happened in this mock draft. That's um, And that leaves the Texans wide open to take whoever they choose, yeah. whether it be the almost criminally undersized Bryce Young or the David Mulligata represented <laughs> C.J. Stroud. Yes, yes. Which I don't think is, I don't think that's a non-starter. I think it might be a consideration, but I don't think it's a non-starter. I think it's a bigger issue with fans than it is with the Texans. I'll put it that way. Pro- yeah, I think that's, uh, like we've said before, if if teams decide to stop doing business with agents uh, they don't like or disagree with, they will not have a roster. That's right. So especially that's, that yeah, especially but, that agent. I mean, he's a, he guy, is a, yeah. he's a very prominent agent. So who do the Texans yeah. have? Who, who does Ryan Wilson have them taking with the second overall pick? Sounder, Ben? Uh, thank you. Yeah. With the second pick in the Ryan Wilson CBSSports.com mock draft, the Texans select Bryce Young, quarterback Alabama. See, everybody? It's all fine. It's all going to work <laughs> out in the world of Ryan Wilson. All that, all that flipping over of furniture that may or may not have happened in the Verizon Artist Lounge back on Sunday when the Hail Mary landed in... Jordan Aiken's hands, it was off or not. Whoever flipped that stool over in there. You know, what I, um, you know what I think about with Bryce Young sometimes? I have to do a deep dive into this this weekend. I'm thinking about starting a podcast, Sean, mm. the Is Bryce Young Too Small podcast, and just interview various people and try to figure it out. You'd be surprised how much traction that would probably get, at least for the time being. I wouldn't being. be one bit surprised. Yeah. I would be, I have, it's like, I'm not even joking. I'm, a, I'm actually thinking about starting that as, either as a podcast or a, a channel or something. Um, work done. 
Because Warwick Dunn, I, look, running backs are small, and there have been plenty of small running backs, but I can remember I, I practiced against Warwick Dunn his rookie year in 1997. And I, I can remember being shocked at how small he was when he came in. He had just – I think he had had a, a short holdout, and we were scrimmaging the Buccaneers. And – I can, and so he'd only been practicing like a day or two, and he wasn't getting a lot of reps. And I remember like when he came in midway through the first practice that he was out there, I kind of remember thinking like that, that can't pop. I know work done is small, but that can't possibly be work done. Because he wasn't just short. He wasn't like Maurice Jones-Drew was short but extremely thick. Or right. Damian Pierce, you know, extremely thick. Uh, like uh, Reggie Bush, I think he was listed at 185. He didn't feel like even that. And yet – he ended up playing a long time in the NFL. I, say. I think he took a lot of hits back when you were allowed to pretty much do whatever you wanted to people. Um, but he played 11 years in the NFL and never had awesome, awesome seasons. But I don't think his size or his durability was the issue that, that it could have been. So, like, I guess maybe he's the outlier. That's to look at running backs who are the skinniest, like the lightest running backs, yeah. and how well they played over time. Because that might shed a little bit like on how now where quarterbacks aren't allowed to get hit nearly as often or as hard as they used to. Yeah. If maybe if maybe that's because that's what everybody will say is, hey, there's never been a quarterback that size. Why would you think it could happen now? Frankly, it's because the rules have changed. Yep. And for the vast majority of NFL history, you could treat a quarterback like a pinata. And it's changed a lot in the last 10 or 20 years. Um, the, this mock draft has them taking a tackle with the 12th overall pick, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. That would be underwhelming for me. I want a wide receiver. I want someone with some sizzle, some juice. I don't need a tackle. We've got two of those already. John Lopez. What's the least sizzle-worthy guy you would take? I would take a center, even if he wasn't. It's not sizzly, but I need it bad, man. I'm I need it bad. I don't know if there's one that's worth taking that high. But, I, yes, I'd rather have a center than a tackle. Put it that way. Um, yeah, I guess that was just a question in general. Yeah. Just like, okay, this is uh, for this center. team. If, it's, if they reach on a center in the second round and take a guy at the top, you know, the first pick and the second pick in the second round or something, I'd be okay with That's it. That's the least sexy huge need for this team is a center. Yeah. They need a center really, really badly. John Lopez. Hello. Hi, John. Uh, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, good. I'm thinking about everything you said here. Work done was a sprite, by the way. He was just a little bitty. Uh, thing, but uh, had a good player. career yeah. and uh, least sexy position I would take probably defensive tackle, right? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Jalen Carter, mm. pretty damn sexy. Well, Chris Jones, Chris Jones is just watching him this weekend. No, they get sexy in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But in yeah. terms of like draft buzz, it's like, yeah, let's get that defensive tackle. I don't know. Cent- know. Center's center's pretty. Uh, Pretty vanilla. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is. Yeah. So, no, de- no defensive tackle. It's less sexy than yeah. edge rusher. Edge yeah. rusher. Yeah. 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 No yeah, doubt. Yeah, no yeah, doubt yeah. about no, that. No, no question. Inside yep. linebacker. Yep. Yep. We had a day yesterday, man. Yeah, that was uh, the that, press conference. Everything. Press conference. What was said. College football. Uh, sorry, your 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 son uh, made that trip. Blue two. Blue blue twelve hundred dollars to <sighs> go to a sixty-five to seven route. I was trying to keep his chin up during the game on the group text. I'm like, hey, man. You, your team may never, ever get here again. It's been a yeah. magical season. Yeah. Still soak it all in. As you have all those Georgia fans around you celebrating all nine of these yeah. touchdowns, Okay, soak it all in. I, I, I really felt for, for him. I yeah. felt for you. I almost texted you during the game. But you just reminded me of one of our confessions that we're going to have. One of my confessions I'm going to have at 1220. Okay. Uh, so I'll say it now because okay. the audience turns over. Yeah. You know how 
Sonny Dykes said, well, this, ta- this doesn't take anything away from our season. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, it does. It, 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 it does. It, it does. No, I was on. It, it, it no, no. Look, I, I was. Te- I was partially texting my son out of therapy during yeah. the game because I had sat through that exact same yeah. thing in 2012. I went to Miami with a couple buddies to watch Notre Dame play Alabama in the championship game. That was the Manti Teo year, yeah, and yeah. and and Notre Dame was a big underdog. They were like a 10 point underdog in that game, but people were giving them a shot. And I went to that game, and you blink, and it's 21-0. Yeah. And it's 28 nothing at half. And Brian Kelly's quote going into the locker room at halftime to the sideline reporter when she asked, what do you need to do in the second half to get back in this game? He said, hope that Alabama doesn't come out of the locker room. That <laughs> Way was his, to go. That now was go his, get them. That was his answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was his answer. I'm like, I love it, though. Yeah. He was, he was honest. <laughs> they ended up losing 42-14. to 14, So I was able to kind of, I think, walk him through. This is what yeah. it's like. To be on the end of a yeah. a severe beating yeah. like that, yeah. So what's going on on the show? Today? A lot of Cal McNair talk. A lot of uh, Nick Casario. What exactly was his goal with some of those uh, points that he was making? Uh, John McClain uh, joins us, uh, and, uh, and and a lot of that. And I'm sure we'll talk about the uh, the college football as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, good stuff. Uh, Seth, antibodies to you, my friend. Antibodies uh, and uh, and manifestations to you. Thank so. you. Okay. Okay. Proverbs to uh, to me. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, we're done. We're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Till then, have a great day, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 